Did you know that America didn't have an official national anthem until 1931? The man who drew attention to that in 1929 is also the same man that we can credit with creating the first oddities museum. We'll get to know him and check out the bizarre realm of oddities museums in this episode, including what may be the biggest oddity of all, one that we all encounter every single day. Hello, fellow restless spirit and intrepid explorer. My name is Courtney Maroc, and I'll be your host and guide for this episode of the Macabre Museum's season here on the Haunt Johns podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to sail the airwaves with me. Kind of like the eclectic collection of unusual artifacts in them, Oddities Museums are a rare breed. Maybe that's why I like them so much. I don't know. Before we start exploring some, let's talk about a man who, as near as I can tell, was sort of a pioneer, the pioneer, really, when it came to creating oddities museums. In addition to being a cartoonist, reporter, and author, Robert Ripley was also an explorer and adventurer. I didn't know anything about him prior to starting this episode or starting the research for it. In fact, I had assumed that the Ripley and Ripley belonged to a real person, but I had no idea who I would have told you, someone like a circus owner or maybe a freak show manager or something like that. I also had no idea that Ripley's Believe It or Not that we know today originated from a newspaper panel series, a.k.a. comic strip. Ripley drew cartoons for the New York Globe newspaper. They published the first Believe It or Not cartoon on December 19th, 1918. It was called Champs and Chumps, and readers liked it so much that Believe It or Not soon became a weekly series. In 1922, Ripley took his first around-the-world trip, but he was already a seasoned traveler by then. But during this trip, he published his travel journal in papers. Something else happened to him this trip, too. And it's one of the dangers that that can happen to you when you become a a traveler. Uh, The strange lands and their exotic foreign cultures possessed him. And it was during his travels that he started collecting artifacts from these places that he was visiting and things he was seeing. In addition to collecting new artifacts, he also found a lot of new material for his Believe It or Not comic strip, which in 1926 moved from the New York Globe to the New York Post. In 1929, with the help of William Randolph Hearst, Believe It or Not was syndicated in 17 papers worldwide, which cemented Ripley's success and fame. 
It was at this same time that he published the first collection of his newspaper comic strips in a book. And in the 1930s, he expanded into new ventures, including a radio show, which ran for 14 years. And he opened his first auditorium. That's odd as in O-D-D, a play on the word auditorium, as in the kind we gathered in for school assemblies or places where we go to see concerts and such. Anyway, we'll get to his auditoriums in a moment, but I want to touch on a couple of his first first, including that he pioneered on-location live broadcasting. So all you people that enjoy watching live streams, you can sort of thank him for inventing that idea, although not the technology, obviously, because this is all new. But he was the first one to to do live broadcasts. He was also the first to broadcast from underground in the sky while parachuting, no less, from underwater and from foreign countries, including a worldwide simulcast that employed a team of translators. Wikipedia even credits him for being the first to broadcast live from a snake bed. Yikes. His first auditorium opened in 1933 at the Chicago's World Fair, but it was more of a pop-up thing rather than a permanent museum or auditorium, and it only lasted as long as the fair did. Other auditoriums would open in San Diego in 1935, Dallas in 1936, Cleveland in 1937, and San Francisco and New York in 1939. In 1948, he broadcast his last radio show and took a gamble on moving the program to a controversial new medium, TV, which very few Americans owned at that time. However, he only made 13 TV episodes before he was struck down by severe health problems and ended up dying of a heart attack on May 27, 1949. The series was revived again three or four times, depending on whether or not you count the animated season that lasted for one season in the late 90s among the revivals. But the first revival was in the 1980s, the next in the early 2000s, and the most recent was in 2019 on Travel Channel with Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead as the host. One more thing I want to say about Robert Ripley before we move on to when the first permanent auditorium opened was he really was an interesting man. I had no idea. I'm I'm really kind of glad I listened to my my voice inside that said, check out Ripley's Museums. It will yield some useful tidbits. In addition to everything else, he was also a semi-pro baseball player and a New York handball champion. He's also the reason the Star-Spangled Banner is America's national anthem. Everyone always assumed that it was until his Believe It or Not, America Has No National Anthem cartoon was published in 1929. 
it was embraced as such, but it wasn't ever officially recognized as such. Well, after that, the push was on, and President Herbert Hoover signed the law officially making the Star-Spangled Banner America's national anthem on March 3, 1931. I don't know about you, but I never knew there was any kind of that story related to that or that the Ripley, Robert Ripley, the, an oddities museum person would be involved somehow. Um, kind of cool. Okay, so it's been over 100 years since the first, believe it or not, cartoon was published, but Ripley's legacy still endures to this day. According to info on Ripley's.com, following Robert Ripley's death, his artifacts were sold at auction and an entrepreneur named John Arthur bought, as they put it, the lion's share. <laughs> Arthur was the one who opened the first permanent Ripley's Believe It or Not auditorium in St. Augustine, Florida in 1950. There are now 28 Ripley's Believe It or Not museums in 10 countries, including the original, which you can still visit in St. Augustine. And that's just their museums. They actually have over 100 attractions worldwide, including mirror mazes, aquariums, miniature golf courses, train tours, haunted adventures, and a haunted castle tour. You've probably seen one of these Ripley's museums or attractions If you've ever visited a popular tourist destination like Branson, Missouri, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Hollywood, California, Orlando, Florida, San Francisco, California, Williamsburg, Virginia, or even the Wisconsin Dells. And that's just to name a few of the places. Clearly, the public loves the odd and the curious, and imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Which is why places like the Museum of the Bazaar in Wilmington, North Carolina, the Museum of the Weird in Austin, Texas, the Grayface Museum in Savannah, Georgia, and even Glitchy's Oddities in Saskatoon, Canada were born. Whether they're aware of it or not, Robert Ripley and his auditoriums at least indirectly inspired their existence. They all display about the same things, which is everything from Fiji mermaids and shrunken heads to freaks of nature, as the Museum of the Weird in Austin puts it. Think taxidermied animals. The Museum of the Weird has a cyclops pig and a two-headed chicken, and the Graveface Museum has Clementine the five-legged cow. They also all usually have a paranormal section or at least some paranormal items. Glitchies considers Sophie, their haunted doll, the crown jewel of their collection. But they also have a pretty freaky looking ventriloquist dummy too. Graveface has some haunted figures and objects, uh, including frightening looking dolls and the requisite Ouija board. Bigfoot imprints are also super popular. They all seem to have at least one of those, but the Museum of the Weird actually had a pretty impressive collection of them. They also have the creature on ice, 
which may or may not be a frozen Bigfoot or Bigfoot-like specimen. Movie props, especially from horror movies, are common in Oddities Museums, too. And Museum of the Weirds is fun because they also have a mini wax museum of classic horror movie characters that you can take pictures of or pose for selfies with. But then they each have their own different flavor, too. Like, you can see a live freak show as part of your admission at the Museum of the Weird. In addition to Houdini's Ouija board, other exhibits in the Museum of the Bazaar include a ghost deer, chupacabra hand, and unicorn horn. Grayface also incorporates some serial killer artifacts into its collection. There used to be more of these types of small oddities museums, including another one that used to be in St. Augustine for a while, but it relocated up north and then sadly burned down. I don't even think they had opened. I think they had just started moving in and it destroyed, I think, pretty much all of their collection and unfortunately some of their pets. Um, but I always drag Wayne in to explore these kind of museums whenever we stumble on them. Um, or sometimes I purposely plan a trip like I did to the Museum of the Weird because I'd always wanted to go to Austin and stay at the Driscoll, which is allegedly haunted. And we did have an experience there. But that trip was really cool because I could knock out three things they were all right there on 6th Street, the Driscoll, Voodoo Donuts, and the Museum of the Weird. So that was really great. Very handy, super walkable, got exercise and everything. You got to work out that Voodoo Donut. Um, but who knew that these kind of museums really all started because of one man's interest in the bazaar and his cartoon series and his passion for traveling in search of the exotic and unusual. And who knew what an interesting character he himself was or such a pioneer? Like I said, I almost didn't even include mentioning Ripley museums in this episode because they just seem so commonplace. I just sort of discounted them. But I am really glad I listened to the voice that whispered in my head you need to investigate the history of Ripley's. There's a story there. There really was. I was going to end this episode saying that the biggest oddity museum of all is the world around us. Because kind of like I did with the Ripley Museums, it's really easy to take things we see every day or every time you visit a certain location for granted. But when we get out and when we see the sites and we explore and we take a moment to question origin stories, we learn amazing things. There's a literally a world full of curiosities around us. The only admission required is our sense of wonder and a little bit of our time. But then I read a quote that they shared on Ripley's.com from Robert Ripley. He said, I have traveled in 201 countries, and the strangest thing I saw was man. How poignant and true is that? And something to keep in mind, because it hadn't even been invented yet. He said that 
without ever having even stepped foot in a Walmart. Thank you so much for sailing the airwaves with me. Again, my name is Courtney Maroc, and it's been my pleasure to be your host and guide for this Oddities Museum episode as part of the Macabre Museum season here on the Haunt John's podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, the best way to ensure that you catch future episodes is to subscribe if you haven't already. Speaking of, next time, pack your spacesuit. We're going to explore out-of-this-world UFO museums. Until our paths cross again, ciao for now. Thank you.